You are listening to our Southside Baptist Church podcast. For more audio content, please refer to our website, ssbaptistchurch.com. Amen. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you love us so much and that you care about us, Lord. You're the, you're the everlasting Father. You're the Prince of Peace. You're the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. Of all the historical characters and figures that have walked this earth, the carpenter who walked out of his home at the age of 30, out of his shop, who never wrote a word, who never wrote a book, and yet changed the course of history in three and a half years and moved, dear Lord, in such a way that we are forever affected. Lord, I've been in the bush of Africa and heard those people say, Jesu Christu, meaning Jesus Christ. I've been in the room of a handful of British people in a church about ready to close where they cried out to the God, the living Father, Jesus, who the Son, and cried out in his name and watched churches come back to life. Lord, we thank you that you love us. Lord, whatever problem anyone may have in this room, may they understand that they have a Father who loves them and cares about them. They may not have an earthly Father, but they have a heavenly Father who wraps his arms around them, fills them, dear Lord, in such a way with a peace that comes over them. May you, dear Lord, remind us that you said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. So, Lord, speak to us. Dear Lord, be with the children as they go to children's church. We pray, dear Lord, that you will use uh, your word to speak to them as well. And, Lord, we love you, and we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Children will begin to make their way. I want you to do a couple of things this morning. Number one, I want you to go to the book of Psalms. Psalm 106, and there's a verse there, uh, verse 15, Psalm 106, verse 15. Good to see all these kids, and uh, they're going to have a good time. But I want you to look, I, I, I really believe, and, and I've not been preaching here lately with notes. I told a pastor friend of mine, Chip Henderson, one day, I saw him in a restaurant, I said, I bought me a new Bible I had a Bible for years, carried it all over the world. But I bought me a new Bible, a blue Bible. I don't know whether it was on sale, and I like the color. And I said, I want, to, I want to finish out my years in ministry by being more dependent upon the Holy Spirit and by, and by not using notes as much. And so I've been doing that here lately. On Wednesday nights, I never use notes, and it's just refreshing. So uh, you can kind of bear with me. In Psalm 106, the 106th Psalm, verse 15, to me is one of the strangest verses that I've ever read in the Bible. In fact, it is so strange to me. In the the King James, it words it a little different than the NIV. But did you know that God can answer a prayer or meet a need in your life and not be happy about it? Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. Do you know that God can answer a prayer? God can meet a request that you have 
and not be happy when he does it. Have you ever given your children something but you weren't really happy about it? You finally gave in to them and you gave them what they wanted. You remember the babysitter who the mother had only one child, little boy. He was a spoiled brat. He just did whatever he wanted to do. And so the mother said, now listen, we'll call him Johnny. She said, listen, whatever Johnny wants, he gets. And the mother said to the babysitter, teenage girl, she said, she's sitting there smacking her gum, first time babysitter. She said, now listen, whatever Johnny wants, he gets. It doesn't matter. You just give him what he wants. And so this teenage girl smacking her gum says, okay. Mom stays gone a couple of hours shopping, getting groceries, comes back, gets out of the car to unload the groceries. Here's his child, little boy, screaming to the top of her lung, his lungs. And so she runs around to the backyard, goes into the backyard, and this kid's just screaming uncontrollably. She looks at the babysitter. She's angry, and she said, what did you do to him? She smiled and said, a bee he wanted, a bee he got. It'll take you a moment, but he got stung by a bee. He wanted a bee, a bee he got. You know, sometimes God gives us what we want, but he's not happy about it. And in Psalm 106, verse 15, it's an interesting verse. You can go back and read the whole psalm. Psalm 106 is a writer. We're not really sure. We believe they were influenced by King David. But it is a writer who gives uh, an overview of the history of Israel. And he begins to talk about an episode in Israel where the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, are in the, in the desert wandering. You remember, they come out of the Exodus. Moses is leading them. They don't believe God. And so they spend 40 years kind of wandering around aimlessly. And they're fed by manna, which falls from heaven. They're given water from a flint rock. Moses is leading them. They're a bunch of Baptists. They're hard to deal with. And they get upset. And one day they begin to gripe and complain because they tell Moses, we want meat. So God sends a covey of quail into the desert, just this mass of quail that fall all around them and he gives them the meat that he wants. The Bible says this in Psalm 106, verse 15. It says that he gave them what, he, what they wanted, but he sent a leanness in their soul. Let me read to you something Matthew Henry said. And I think it's really interesting. Matthew Henry said this. He said, God gives them what they want but he sends a leanness in their soul. Now listen to how he sums it up. He filled them with an uneasiness of mind, a terror of conscience, and a self-reproach. Now let me say it again. This is how one of the great Bible commentators summed up the word leanness. God answered their prayer, but he gave them a leanness in their soul, he filled them with an uneasiness in their mind, a terror of conscience, and a self-reproach. Let me ask you something. You ever been there? You ever been in a time in your life when there was an uneasiness in your mind, a terror in your consciousness, a self-reproach? You ever been at a time when there was a, 
a leanness of your soul. Well, I want you to take a right today, and I want you to look at John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, we're introduced to a man by the name of Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus, that name is Greek. He's a Jew, but he's given a Greek name. I don't know whether his mom was angry one day at her husband. I don't know, but anyway, Nicodemus is an interesting character. And I believe that Nicodemus comes to Jesus because he has a leanness in his soul. Something is not right in his life. And so, John chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. In fact, let's stand in honor of God's word. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miracles, the miraculous signs you're doing. If God were not with you. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. How, how can a man, how can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered. I, I told Sheila, I said, I really believe Jesus laughed here. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised, Nicodemus, at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes, where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Let's pray again. Lord, we thank you. We love you. We give you glory. And we pray that, dear Lord, I pray you cleanse me, forgive me. Lord, make me a vessel, a tool in your hand. Cover me by the blood of Jesus Christ, dear Lord. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Now, John, the Gospel of John, is not only the miracles of Jesus, it contains 27 dialogues that Jesus had with different people. So there's 27 conversations that Jesus has with people. In this case, in John chapter 3, Jesus is having a conversation with a man by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a powerful, influential, political big gun. He is a ruling member of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was made up of Pharisees, Sadducees. It was a 70-member court that basically governed the Jewish nation under the Roman Empire. 
So the Romans gave the Jews the ability to kind of govern themselves as long as they kept everything under control. So you had the Sadducees, they were kind of a liberal group. Then you had the Pharisees, they were the conservatives. And, and the Pharisees were very meticulous about the law. Let me give you an example. A Pharisee interpreted the law to the extreme. For example, you could not walk more than 2,000 feet or 2,000 steps in a day. So the Pharisees said if they had to walk farther than 2,000 steps, when they got 2,000 steps, they would sit down and say, this is my home, and they would eat. They ate something, and then they could take another 2,000 steps. The Pharisees said to a man with a wooden leg, you can't walk on Sunday because you'll drag that wooden peg leg and you'll be furrowing the dirt and you're plowing so you're guilty of working, so you can't do that. The Pharisee took two eggshells of water to do the ceremonial cleansing. They would take an eggshell full of water, they would pour it over this hand and it would drip off the elbow. Then they would pour it over this hand, it would drip off the elbow. Then they would turn their arms this way, pour an eggshell full of water this way till it dripped off the fingertips and an eggshell this way and then they would shake their fingers like this and they were ceremonially clean. They were meticulous about the law. And they had a hard time when Jesus did like some of my grandkids do, come running to the table, sit down and begin to eat without being ceremonially clean. So this is Nicodemus. And Nicodemus comes in the evening, and I think he comes, he's a rabbi, he's a noted rabbi, and he comes because he is fascinated by Jesus. So he comes and he sits down at a fireside. And a lot of people say, why did he come at night? Some say, well, this is when rabbis met together to study or to talk or to converse. Some people say it was because of the crowd that surrounded Jesus. It would have been the only opportunity to have any kind of in-depth conversation. But here Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he, and he starts off by complimenting Jesus. Let me tell you something. Jesus could care less about your compliments. He doesn't need you to compliment him. He needs you to believe in him. I was telling our Sunday school class, our men's class, about a, about a Muslim named Hassan. Hassan was a Muslim, a devout Muslim, who read the Quran, who had never read a Bible, never attended a church. In England, in Britain, when we lived in England, I began to talk to this Muslim about Christ. And as I began to get into this conversation with him one day, I said, Hassan, he was a businessman. He owned one of the more prominent restaurants in St. Austell, England. I said, Hassan, I said, if God, the creator, were to invade his creation, what historical figure would he look like? And I said, before you answer that, I said, would you be willing to read the New Testament? So I bought a Turkish language New Testament, gave it to Hassan, and, and I left it. I came back a week later. He was holding up that New Testament, Turkish New Testament. He looked at me. He said, I read this book you gave me, 
in two days. I said, you did? He said, I did not like that part about, the, about hating your father and mother. I said, well, let me explain that. And then I looked at Hassan and I said, Hassan, let's go back to the question. If our creator had to fix a virus that had attacked his creation, sin, how would he do it? What historical figure would look most like the character of God? Immediately, this devout Muslim said, Jesus. The following Sunday, I was preaching at St. Austin Baptist Church, packed house, front to back, no room. When I looked over to my left, halfway back, Lawrence, about where you're sitting, I looked over there, there's this devout Muslim sitting in a British church surrounded by Christians. I was overwhelmed. I smiled. I came to the pulpit. I looked and said, I said, I can't believe you're here. I'm so glad you're here today. I said, this is my Muslim friend. He's a devout Muslim. He read the New Testament in two days, and he's come today because he has questions. Those British people begin to applaud and clap. Hassan looked at me and said, come Tuesday. I went Tuesday. He's holding up that Turkish New Testament. He waves all them British packed into this place to eat lunch. He waves me back into the kitchen, a massive kitchen. When I walk in there, all of a sudden I look and there Carrie surrounded, it just filled is Muslim men and women. And these were devout Muslim businessmen from London who had come down to hear what had happened to Hassan, their friend. And Hassan took that New Testament and he said, you tell them. Nicodemus comes because there's a leanness in his soul. There's something missing in his life. And so he says to Jesus, he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. And it's believed that he, he possibly came with some others from the Pharisaic community, from the Sanhedrin. These devout, law-abiding, cross every T, dot every I kind of followers. Do you know those kind of people? They're all about rules and regulations. Let me tell you something about parenting. It's not about the rules and the regulations. It's about relationship. Parent build relationships with your children rather than constantly enforcing the rules and the regulations. Build relationships. You know what God says? God says first and foremost, it's about relationship. But the Pharisee didn't understand that. They were not only meticulously watching their life, they were watching the lives of everybody around them to make sure everybody measured up. So he says, Lord, we, nobody could, nobody, nobody could do what you do and not be from God. Now Jesus gets, he cuts right to the point in verse 3, it says, in reply, this man's complimenting Jesus, and Jesus is not duped by this at all. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. 
I remember in Shona language when in Zimbabwe, I would say these words, Munofanira means you must, kubarekwa means born, pashwa means again, you must be born again. Nicodemus. Lord, How can a man be born again? Can he, can he, listen to this, can he enter into his mother's womb a second time? Now, let me tell you, years I drove an ambulance. I remember the first baby I had to be a part of the delivery. You know, I always caution and say, men, when you're involved in that as a paramedic, as an EMT, you're not doing the delivery she is, you know. So that's one thing they drill into you. And for every woman who's gave birth to a baby, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We were called to the scene of a woman who was giving birth to her baby at 10.30 on a Friday night in the middle of her living room. We get there, we walk in, Immediately, you're able to examine her waters broke. She's crowning, which meaning means that you're seeing the top of the baby's head. And to keep the baby's head from exploding out, you put fingers to hold so that her labor pain, she had five children already, and they were all standing around me. And I'm down here like I'm getting center to the NFL, getting ready to receive the baby. Shake it like a leaf. It's an African-American family there in Yazoo City. I'm scared to death. I'm surrounded by these five kids and the husband. They're all just looking over there. I don't know whether it's a down set or hut or whatever. And I'm trying to keep this baby. You're trying to keep this baby's head from exploding out. You know, I was thinking a moment ago, we were talking about the name of Jesus. There's something to every mom in this room when you call your baby by that name for the first time. You and your husband, you, husband you've talked about it, you've, you've prayed about it, you've looked at name books, but that moment when you look at them and a mom will look at that newborn baby and even for our grandmothers here who have been in this scene here recently, but when you look at that baby and you call them by name, Let me tell you what I, what I know. It's impossible for a grown man or woman to go back in the womb. There's not room. I don't see how we come out. And I can venture to say I have no idea how we could go back in. And you may say, well, you know, Brother Jeff, why would you belabor that? Because that was Nicodemus. Nicodemus was thinking strictly on the physical plane. He was, he was saying to Jesus, Jesus, how can a man be born again? He surely can't go back into the womb. That's impossible. And I love Jesus here because I believe, you know, I think sometimes we have Jesus as kind of stern figure, this stoic kind of figure. I think we're going to have this stoic kind of stern figure. But Jesus, I believe at this point, laughed. I think he laughed. 
I think he's, I think in verse 5, Jesus answered, he said, and he probably said it like this, he said, Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of the Spirit. Ladies, I remember one time I had a man pull up, comes whip, you have, you'd have this happen at the ambulance service. You'd have people come whipping up there. And, and the fee back then, everybody listen, in the 70s was $35. An ambulance fee was $35. People learned that we were all trained and we could deliver a baby for $35. So instead of going to the hospital, you know what a lot of people would do? Where do you think they came? Who do you think they called? They'd either call the ambulance or some of them come pulling up to the ambulance service and a man would come in and he'd say, uh, get out of here quick, my wife's having a baby. We've delivered babies in the driveway of the ambulance service. And this was always when we knew we had no time. When she said these words, my water, what? When a woman's water breaks, sometimes it splashes out and gets on you. You know, and I'm not the strongest stomach person. I used to, used to be in the back of the ambulance going, that's not too comforting to a woman having a baby. But what Jesus is saying here is he's saying to Nicodemus, he says, Nicodemus, you cannot enter God's kingdom unless, first of all, you have a physical birth. That's understandable. That's natural. That's flesh. But then, Nicodemus, you've got to have a spiritual rebirth. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Nicodemus, he said, don't be surprised at what I'm telling you. You should not be surprised. You must be born again. And then he says, Nicodemus, look around you. He said, the wind is blowing. See it? Nicodemus, now tell me, where's it coming from? Nicodemus, where did it originate? Tell me where it's going. Nicodemus, explain to me the wind, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus finally looks and says, Lord, I understand. Spiritually, sometimes you and I can't accept something. Simply by faith, we have to believe. I believe. I remember when I was sick. I was thinking about this during the worship. And Jeffrey, I don't know what it was, but I began to tear up. And I was thinking of a time in Zimbabwe when I was very, very sick. And before I say anything, I have an earned doctorate from, from one of the toughest schools in, if not the country, probably the world. I'm not shooting you a line here. I'm not embellishing and making up something. I was sick, and I've been sick ever since. But at this time, I was sick, I was in Zimbabwe, I was at home, and the pastors, these African pastors, came to see me. Alan, you remember, Mufundis Jaina, Mufundis Mube, and Mufundis Midian Chitsede. They came to my home. They came at great expense. They had to catch a bus. They had to come. They came, and I was laying, I was laying flat on my back, eaten up with an amoeba, 
eventually struggling with parasites and everything else. I'm laying there on my back, on my couch. These men come in and they kneel down on that couch, by that couch, and they begin to pray over me. They prayed for healing. I've never had this happen to me before and never had it happen since. As they begin to cry out and to pray for me, all of a sudden it was like somebody took a jolt of electricity and shot it from the top of my head straight through my body to the soles of my feet. And in that moment, I sensed the power and the presence of God's people praying. These men were born again. And so Jesus said to Nicodemus, he says to Nicodemus, he said, you've got to be born again and you're never going to understand it. There are some things that we take by faith. I can tell you this much, at 60, nearly 64 years of age, next month I've seen a lot of people get to the doors of death and I've listened to them and some of the conversations have been life-changing to me. Our friend who was dying of cancer, colon cancer, with her three daughters around her, her husband there, comatose, out of it, sitting straight up. Bonnie, it was Karen McLemore. Karen sat straight up when Sheila walked into the room who had led her to Christ, and Sheila looked at Karen, and, and, and all of a sudden Karen's eyes popped open. She turned, she looked at Sheila. She said, I knew you would come. And then Karen said, Bonnie, she looked at Sheila, her eyes this big, animated, full of life and energy. She said, everything we ever talked about, it's all true, it's all real. There, it's true. Everything we've read in the Bible, Sheila, it's all true. And then she turned and she lifted her hands up toward the, toward the, the ceiling. And she said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, not much longer. Yes, Lord, not much longer. And she died shortly after that. Is there another world? You better believe it. Is there another realm? Absent from the body for the believer. Present with the Lord. To the believer, to us, is just simply like stepping from one existence into the next. And these doors are Jesus Christ. And God says to Nicodemus, he said, Nicodemus, your religion, your observance of the law, the meticulous detail, your, how religious you are, how governed you are, makes a dime's worth of difference in the eyes of God. Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. Is there a leanness in your soul? You ever been born again? Verse 9, Nicodemus said, how can this be? And I'll close in a moment. Nicodemus asked, I love this. Verse 10, Jesus said, I think he laughed. He said, he said Nicodemus, you're a teacher of Israel and you don't understand this stuff? You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know. We testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. You know, I did an interview a couple of weeks ago 
for WLBP. And it was about the officer, Mary Lynn, uh, Mary, you, Mary Lynn was an officer for years, Gainesville, right? Uh, so you'll understand this police officer here was shot in the head. He's a single parent with a nine-year-old son. Shot in the head, given no hope at all. People everywhere begin to pray. Guess what's happening? He's making a miraculous recovery. Unexplainable by the medical world. So the news, WLBT, comes to do an interview. They do an interview with a person at UMC Medical Center. They do an interview with a pastor. And basically, it was about this component of prayer. How does the medical community see it? How does a man of God see it? And you know what I said at one point in that interview? It wasn't on TV, but I made this statement to Therese. I said, Therese, I have never had a prayer unanswered. Emily and I, when Emily was battling and taking the test for radiation therapy, and it was a struggle, and it was a very tough time in Emily's life, my daughter. And we're sitting at Piccadilly's on I-55 North. She's already laughing. And she said, Dad, I just need to know that St. Dominic's is God's will for my life, St. Dominic's Cancer Center. And I said, Emily, as we sat there at that table eating in Piccadilly's, I said, Emily, we're both Christians. I said, let's just pray about this. Let's pray that God will make it clear. God is my witness. You probably won't believe it, but if I'm a liar, fire me. We get in the vehicle. I'm carrying her back over to, to the hospital, I guess. I don't know where we were going. We haven't driven, we haven't driven 500 feet on the interstate on a billboard. St. Dominic's is God's will for your life. Emily, because we have podcasts, is that not true? Say yes real loud. That's right. Answer prayer. We pull up, to, we go up to the Honda place. She's laughing about this one. I meet a guy there who since got right with God and now is serving at, at, a, at a local Morrison Heights Baptist Church. But the sales guy, we get into a conversation. I pray with him. I talk to him. And he said, now, and, and, but before that, he, first of all, was just a sales guy. You know, Honda place. What do you need? him? Well, we would, we would like a Honda Accord two-door with manual transmission. So he gets on the computer. Meemaw, you'll love this. He gets on the computer, starts pulling this stuff up. He said, there's not a Honda two-door manual transmission in the whole southeastern part of the country. Then he began to... Then he began to talk about all the problems and the battles in his life, and I began to pray with him. We sat outside, we talked for the longest. Sheila and Emily, they're just kind of walking around out in the car lot. And, uh, and finally, God is my witness. We pray. We're sitting out on this little bench, and he and I, and I pray for him. After we've prayed, he said, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't help you. And Sheila and Emily are standing there, no joke, what about that car right there? And it was a young lady turning in a two-year lease. Do you want to guess what it was? Two-door Honda Accord spoiler, and she had had 
leather installed and he couldn't charge us for the leather because you can't you can't charge for aftermarket so the dealership she got free leather hey emily that was what year okay that was 2001 the car was a 1999 what are you driving right now emily you're driving a 20 year old accord is it out there in the parking lot it is okay 20 year old miracle sitting out in the parking lot right now you know what god was you know what you know what jesus was telling nicodemus he was saying nicodemus if you will just simply give your life to me, sell out, let me be the Lord of your life, be born again. How do you get born again? You repent of your sin. You just agree with God. You just say, God, you're right. I'm a sinner. There's nothing I can do to get out of this situation that I'm in. But I'm today putting my faith and my trust in you that you have paid the penalty for my sin and I'm going to put my faith in you and in your unmerited, undeserved, unconditional love for me. And from that moment on, when you pray that prayer, everybody listen, the power of God's indwelling Holy Spirit comes into your life, and you now are born into the kingdom, and God begins to meet needs and answer prayers, and things begin to happen into your life in a way you've never happened before. And you know what the great thing about it is? God's in your corner. Now let me say this and then I'll pray and we'll close. Ole back here is my niece's daughter. Now she, her name is Olivia. And you are how old? 14. Now yesterday we had a big family reunion and Ole plays school level com competitive volleyball. Okay, so she's big into it, and probably by all, by what I saw yesterday, probably will play her way right through college. So all us old guys and everybody else, we all get out there to play. Now, not all old guys. I was the oldest guy out there, Matt, my son-in-law, Ledge. There were several of us all out there. And they, Ledge and him had Ole over on their team. So every time she'd get up served, we'd just dread it. Here it comes. You know, that, that those kind that, you know, they do this stuff and it comes about that far over the net and, and lands and hits you in the forehead or drops at your knees or, or whatever. But, you know, we, we, we kind of we thought we'd figured her out. But then her mom comes over to keep score because we hadn't been keeping score. So her mom said, well, we'll keep score this time. So here's her mom, Trish, keeping score. And we were doing pretty good. Our team was doing pretty good until Ole got up there. And Ole, when she got up there, all of a sudden the scorekeeper changed her whole attitude. She wasn't a scorekeeper. She was a cheerleader. <laughs> and, 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 hey, listen, she was laughing at us, floundering and flopping and trying to get those returns back. And, and here's Ole. She's just saying, Shoo! like bullets coming over the net. Boom, boom. Firing away. And, and mom's hand was going up. Because see, we had gotten ahead. We were like eight, ten points ahead. And then Ole just trimming away that. And mom's over there just cheering, hollering, and screaming. And I said, wait a minute. You're supposed to be the scorekeeper. You're not a parent here. Quit enjoying this. 
Let me tell you, listen to me. When you repent of your sin and give your life to Jesus Christ, do you know what happens? God and all of heaven become your children. And there's nothing better than to feel the loving presence of a heavenly father who wraps his arms around you and says, I love you unconditionally. And when you get depressed and when deals fall through or business is unstable or you're battling with this or you're battling with that, you feel the indwelling Holy Spirit say, I've got this. We're going to get through this. Everything's going to be love my kids you know I'd do anything for them my little grandsons but I'm limited by the resources that I have there's only so much I can do if he needed anything I would liquidate every asset I had and make it Your heavenly Father is not limited at all. His resources are the universe and beyond. So doesn't it make sense that you would give your life to him today? I want you to stand. I'm going to pray. We're going to have a hymn of invitation of God to speak into your heart. Normally Reggie, our co-pastor's here. He's out today. Ledge can come here and stand here. Sheila's near the front here. Maybe some of our ladies who would be more comfortable to speak with her. Maybe there's something you need to pray about. You need somebody to pray with you. We will pray with you. Maybe God has spoken to your heart. Maybe it's time to give your life to Christ, sell out to him, begin to serve him for the rest of your life. Maybe there's a leanness in your soul. Maybe you just need to come and spend some time at this altar. I encourage you to do that. Our Heavenly Father, we just come to you, and Lord, we love you, and we praise you. And Oh, Lord, what a, what a marvelous Lord and Savior you are. You love us unconditionally. Sometimes uh, when you would talk about your love, you, you, you would use examples such as a father with a prodigal, prodigal son who takes a third of the estate. He will waste it, spend it on wild women and drugs and alcohol and partying you'll finally end up in a pig pen he's lost everything the bible says that in that pig pen that he came to himself and he began to think about his father and he said i'm going to go back to my father and i'm going to tell him that i'm sorry and i'm going to say to him i'll be a servant just let me be a servant i don't deserve to be a son and the Bible says that as that dirty, filthy son, homeless, destitute, was coming across those rolling hills, that his father saw him. The Bible says, Jesus, you tell this story. That the father went running to his son. He embraced him, wrapped his arms around him. He put his robe around his shoulders. And they were all caved in from going without food living the life that he lived. He put sandals on his feet. Those sandals entitled him the ability to do business on behalf of the estate. Once again, reinstated in the business. A ring was put on his finger, a fatted calf. Everything was made ready. They celebrated. 
The elder brother, that's Nicodemus. The elder brother who spent his life being obedient, compliant, refuses to come in. And again, it's the father that goes out to him and he says to him, son, he says, everything that I have is yours. Why don't you come in and celebrate with us? Your son was, your brother, he, he was dead. Now he's alive, he was lost, now he's found. We serve a great God who loves us and cares about us and knows our hearts. As the song said a moment ago, Sheila reached over. She hugged me up close because those are so powerful, those words, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. No matter how good we may be, no matter how hard we strive, if it were not for the un merited, undeserved, unconditional love of God, we would all die without you. We thank you for the love. And I pray, dear Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you today, that they would just simply reach out and say, Lord, come into my heart, forgive me. Be my Savior. Live in me. Let me begin to feel that cheerleader that's deep down in my soul there's not a leanness any longer. There's a fat soul that is filled with the love of God. Speak to us, Lord. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.